What do you do when somebody comes out with a new book? You have them on the podcast. Welcome to episode number 65 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Let's talk about this new book. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, aka the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoie. All right, welcome to another episode. I am your host, Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, and I'm so glad to have you. Now, if you haven't already and you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You get all new episodes when they come out, and you listen wherever you listen to podcasts. So my guest today, I have had her on the show before, but it is time to have her on again. Not because I love talking to her so much, which I do, but because she came out with a new book. And that's what you do when you have a new book. You put her on a podcast and tell everybody about it. So Dr. Elizabeth Cohen is a clinical psychologist. She's also the CEO and founder of the online divorce course and membership Afterglow, the light at the other side of divorce. Um, She's been featured on so many different uh, media outlets. She's received her PhD in clinical psychology from Boston University. Uh, she's been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, Wall Street Journal, NBC News. I can go on and on, but I want to get right to my conversation and give the goods to you. She's also a weekly contributor to Psychology Today uh, and with her Divorce Course column. And Dr. Cohen also hosts the Divorce Doctor podcast, where she interviews people about their divorce experiences, which is why I haven't been on the show. It's okay, though. I'm talking to her about it. <laughs> I kid around. I say, I will get divorced just so I can be on your show. Um, no, I'm just kidding. If my wife listens to this. Just kidding, honey. All right. Without further ado, everybody, let me introduce to you again, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Dr. Cohen, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Um, how, are, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jason. I love talking to you and to, to your audience. Yes. No, absolutely. I remember the first time you came on, we had such a great time chatting. And here we are again. Now, just tell people uh, the quick, quick version about, in case this is the first time that they're hearing you, just kind of who you are and how you got to this point. Great. So um, I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm known online as the divorce doctor. And I had a private practice. In, I have a private practice in New York City, a group practice that I've been running for a long time. And a few years ago, I really wanted to have more of an impact. And I thought a lot about what I wanted to teach online and be able to share information more widely than just my brick and mortar office. And I thought for a while, and I, I realized that the hardest thing that I had to go through that I would have really wanted guidance through was my divorce. When I got divorced now 12 years ago, um, I typed into Google divorce recovery. And this was really before there were a lot of divorce coaches. I couldn't find anything. I felt totally alone. And even though I had the privilege and education of being trained as a clinical psychologist, it was still really hard for me to piece together a healing program. And so I didn't want anyone to ever have to go through that again. So I created that in an online program. So that's what brought me to this work. Awesome. Yeah, it's so important to to have that support system. That's kind of what brought me into the uh, coaching world myself. Right. Now, you are here for a particular reason. <laughs> and I'm so happy to, to, to help share that with you and, and the audience. You are the author of a new book. Are you? I not? am. Are I you? am. The, I sure am. I'm very proud to say I am a very hard 
earned and partly worked on book called Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And I love and that title. Thank you so much. Because I really do think the process of divorce um, is about discovering the new you. And I am dedicated to changing the stigma of divorce. I think that we live in a world where people still refer to divorce as being a failure or something is broken. You know, we still have such negative connotations with divorce. And, and someone said this to me the other day, and I'm so right, that divorce is actually the deepest level of self-care you can have. It is not, isn't that great? Like either, I mean, I hadn't heard that either. It's so wonderful. It's like either if you've chosen to leave because it's not working for you, that's deep self-care. And if you've said yes, when someone comes to you and says they're unhappy, that's also self-care. And I just, I, I want people to, I really believe that if we heal the pain and the grief of our divorce and, and heal the stigma of divorce, people are going to be free to make amazing shifts in this world. I really think the trauma of divorce holds people back from their full potential. And I, I want to help people really step into that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the word is trauma because uh, especially and you know, primarily I focus on contested divorce situations. So, you know, the nasty stuff and, and people who cannot communicate and and get along and fight over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that is trauma, uh, for everybody involved, to be honest with you. Right. And I love the fact though, you know, you focus on the light at the end of divorce, because I always preach no matter how bad it is, one day it will be over and hopefully you will be in a better, uh, place and you know you might have to put in some work and 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 get there emotionally and mentally but yeah it is a whole new post divorce I call it the post divorce life yes and I think Jason you and I both are really dedicated to the idea that in order for it to be a bright light there are things you need to do along the way to heal you know because as you mentioned it is a trauma it isn't just you got stuck with this crappy ex. This is something that you have gone through that you are processing. Sorry for the dogs. We, we have some company. <laughs> yes, exactly. The dogs have a lot to say about this. Um, you know, this it's not just about the other person. I mean, look, in contested divorces, in my divorce, there is so much we could say about our exes. Like, it's all true. I have a whole chapter in my book on righteous anger. Like, we have a right to be angry about what happened, and we need to process it. And there's a whole toolkit on how to process anger. Like, your anger, everyone who's listening, is real. I want to own that. There's a whole chapter devoted to that. And We need to learn how to move through that so we can figure out what we want to change and shift about ourselves so we can step into the light. Like the light is not just there because you sign the divorce papers. The light, I think we both believe in this, is because you have dug deep to see what light looks like for you. Right. Absolutely. The the, uh, judgment of divorce at the end, you know, when the court stamps the final decree or you sign that settlement agreement. Right. Then it's not like all of a sudden there's this light coming out. <laughs> it's not, that's not how it works. The light is, is self-made, right? You have to, yes. you have to work for it and, and create it really. Yes. And a lot of people, I wonder in your audience, I bet people I work with certainly talk about this, you know, in a relationship that wasn't working for you, you probably learn to sublimate your needs to um, pretend that things were okay, that were not okay. 
um, ignore some strong feelings. So there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. You really need to relearn connecting to yourself. A friend of mine says like, in my case, like, well, the real Elizabeth, please stand up, right? Like, who am I now? And so I also talk about that in the book. The book kind of follows this um, trajectory where we start um, really challenging, as I mentioned before, the stigma of divorce. And as a cognitive behavioral therapist, I think it's so important that people understand that self-talk is self-hypnosis. The words we use set how we feel. I'm sure you have the same experience with your clients, right? Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, you know, when you say it, it's so much more scientific and <laughs> it just sounds more valid. <laughs> right. You're the doctor. <laughs> I'm the doctor. So yes, it is. So in, in the beginning of the book, I really talk about, I want your audience to imagine what it would be like if you said my relationship has come to its perfect completion. My relationship has done everything it needed to do. I am ready to step out of it. Like, what if you, what if we thought of divorce that way? Now, is that coming from the point of view of somebody who decides that they are ready and they want the divorce? What about the person who, you know, it gets slammed on them from out of left field, um, whether there were signs of it or not, you know, that they should have recognized or could have recognized, but forget about that. Just, you know, comes out one day, your spouse says, we're done. I'm getting a divorce. I want a divorce. Yeah. What about that perspective? Yeah. So that I, I talk about this. Um, there's as a trauma therapist too, there's lots of different types of traumas we have. One is called a shock trauma. That's um, what we would usually consider like in a car accident when you're driving along, right. listening to music and then boom, right. That's what happens when your spouse comes to you and tells you they want a divorce when you've been going to couples therapy, you think things are going better. So that's an extra piece. And it's really important for those of you who are listening to understand this. I talk about this in the book. There is a difference. Like you need to process the shock in addition to the grief. People who've chosen the divorce, they have to process the grief too, but they don't have the shock because they, they had the planning. Our nervous systems really don't like to be surprised. And so there's a whole bit of healing around that. Yeah. No, that's so funny. You say that my wife always says that she's like, I hate surprises. And I'm like, but there's so much fun. And, but, that, but you know what? Like, not really our body. I think human nature, we want stability, consistency. Yeah. Right. And, and that doesn't mean you're boring or anything like that, but it's just like, right. Anything that shocks is really trauma. Even if yes. it's a good shock. It's, yes. It's so yes. Cause it needs to be integrated. I think that's, what's really important is that the nervous system needs emotions and experiences to be integrated. And if you are expecting something and something different happens, we have to find a way to integrate it. And usually people don't take the time to say, wow, I was really surprised. Like I, wow, I had a surprise party. And while I loved seeing all these people, I was actually really looking forward to having a one-on-one dinner with my husband. Right. I mean, there's, it's both. I talk about this as the golden and like you can have two things at one time for people who the didn't choose the divorce and it's been done to them. I want to also point out that you can have two feelings. You can feel both rageful that the person did this to you and that you, you were not going to do this and also know that it was probably for the best. Like you don't have to pick one or the other. And they don't happen at the same time, right? I mean, Correct. I, I kind of think of it and I'm being totally honest with you. This just came to my mind. So tell me Great. if I'm just totally- I love this off the cuff, well, aha moments. All right, it. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I, like, I, I think of it as like working through the range of emotions for any trauma, really. It's like a rainbow 
um, mm-hmm. you know, you start uh, on one end and you kind of progress and you arc over and then you come out on the other side. But, and so you have to go through, it's the, um, I know there's a clinical term for this and, and I'm not thinking of it right now for like this different stages of anger, right? It's anger. Grief. There's, like diff- grief. there's a different. There's the five stages of grief. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Right, but so yeah. sort of like that. You have to work through different emotions, and it's okay. Yes. To, you're going to feel different ways at different times. You may go back exactly. and forth a couple times. Exactly, right. exactly. That's such a good point. I actually have in the loss and grief chapter in my book. I I go through the grief um, stages, and I actually have people have this great um, chart where you can kind of start plotting out when you might expect to be going into those um, stages, because again, the nervous system likes to know. So for example, if you're going to your kids, um, parent teacher conference, right. That might be one where you feel anger or you feel, or you feel sadness. And so just to, how can you prepare yourself to know that some grief is going to come up? And I love what you said. You're absolutely right. You have to go through it. I mean, you always have to go through it. There's no way through it, except through it, but you jump back and forth from different stages. Nothing is linear, right? Yeah, that's that's always important to point out to people because they I think they expect it to be linear. Um yes. and that, you know, they have to go, they have to get from point A to point Z, you know, um, and, and they have to go in order. And that's just not the way it works. Um No, and I tell people, I tell a story about grief, you know, 10 years after my divorce, um, I'm remarried to a wonderful person and um, we were at our country house and my ex-husband came with his son, his little son. So it was his son and my two kids, our two kids, um, our older kids and me and my ex. And we were in the pool we were swimming. And I had this moment where I just felt my throat close up. I just felt like I was going to burst into tears. And I thought, what is this? And I looked around and I thought this was the life I signed up for when we got married. Now, I don't want it now. I'm very happy in my relationship. And I was struck with grief. And so I had to feel it. I let myself, you know, write about it and cry about it and let it move through me. And this is 10 years later where I'm happy not to be with him. So I want people to know it comes up. It's how we relate to it when it comes up. I could have said, well, you idiot, you know, you're over him. I mean, are you into him again? You know, I could have just shamed myself completely, but instead I was compassionate and I want people to be compassionate and allow their feelings. Right. It comes up like a bad meal yet. Exactly. (laughs) That you also have to just let out. You can't control that. (laughs) That that bad taste you get in your mouth. You're like, oh God. Right. And most people live in this world pushing down feelings. I mean, you know this from your work, you know, and I always, I say in the book too, you know, if you push feelings down, they come out sideways. Well, that's it. They're going to come out. It's just a matter of how and, 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 and how, um, I guess, you know, healthy they, they do uh, or not. Right. And, but right. You can't really keep it in for forever because uh, you'll just get bottled up. And I always use the volcano analogy, you know, and and then you'll explode at some point and that's not good. Right. So, right. I I always tell people and it's so um, it's so hard to impress the importance. It can't really be understated how you have to let yourself, of course, it's not going to be fun. Nobody likes to feel crappy and go through the, the bad part of the emotion, but you got to go through it. You got to let it happen to you and almost embrace it. Yeah. I think if you don't, 
um, it comes out in, in ways that you don't even expect. So you cut someone off driving and say, if this is anger, for example, you cut right. someone off driving, right. Or you, you are irritable with your kid. I mean, I always talk, another example I give, um, is that when my ex-husband was, was having this baby, his new baby, I kept, I constantly kept asking my kids how they were feeling about it, like constantly. And, um, as they would tell you very unskillfully until one day, my eight-year-old turned to me and said, mom, like, we're okay with this. Are you okay with this? Right. And I was like, Oh God. And you know what I was about to do? I was about to create this whole thing. Like they're not, they shouldn't be staying at your place when the baby's like, I was going to do this whole thing that was all based on how I was feeling because I wasn't sitting with my feelings. So we actually do a lot of damage. I, I thankfully he caught me, but I could, I could have done all this stuff that would have really been damaging to my kids because I wasn't owning my own feelings. Right. And how, how interesting is it um, right. You're a, you're a therapist. Like this is what you do, but for your own personal life, it's not always so apparent, right? Oh my God. No. I mean, That's why they, they always say therapists have their own therapist. Exactly. We need to have that. I was just, I was just, um, sharing a piece of the book with someone about the dating. I have a chapter on dating in addition to co-parenting and creating a new life. And I share the story about, um, when I first met my current husband that I, when I went to tell him that I wanted to be in a monogamous relationship and I had to be vulnerable with that I was so nervous. I had to cover my eyes. I couldn't see, have him see me being vulnerable. And I wrote, this is from a psychologist who spends her entire day telling people to be vulnerable. Like that's how hard it was for me. So I want people to know there's nothing wrong with you. If it feels deeply uncomfortable, what I try to help people understand through the book is that that feeling of discomfort is actually a sign of you doing something differently and you actually moving closer to that light. Yeah. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Exactly. That's the sign of progress. Exactly. But wait a second. I, I, I got to follow up on a detail here. So when you told your now husband that you wanted <laughs> to be in a monogamous, you covered your, like, what did you do? You covered your eyes? Yeah, I covered my eyes because I couldn't, I said it, but I was too afraid to see his reaction to my being vulnerable. So you're like, I want to be in a monogamous relationship. Correct. Cor correct. And he was like, and he said, Sure. Uh, okay. Well, of course, he, first of all, he said, I knew that already, which was so funny because I thought I was sharing this huge information that he didn't know. But because he is such a like strong, loving, he was like, I know. And I, me too. Like he was very loving. It was me who was having all this discomfort. So I just, I couldn't tolerate being vulnerable and being seen being vulnerable. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Um, you know, especially, you know, when you, when you've been hurt before. Right. And uh Exactly. And many people, right. Especially, I mean, think about your, the people in your audience and people you work with who've had, who've just been so hurt over and over by someone who said they were going to stand by them. I mean, that, that pain has to be processed and you need, again, going back to the anger, you need to be able to process your anger. You need to be able to process the grief, you know, these shadow feelings that people don't ever talk about. You know, if you, I also have a chapter in the book all about um, how to get the right support from friends. You know, you have some friends who are just going to say, oh, get over, you know, not be supportive. Well, um, right. Right. But then and, are they really your friends? Right. Well, I have a whole taxonomy in the book about different types of people who come into your life. And I don't know if you've heard this phrase that people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Oh, no, I haven't heard that. Yeah. And so some people are simply there to be messengers. 
They give you referrals to a therapist. They tell you about a new apartment you can move into. Like they're not the people you open your heart to. I think the problem is at least my problem when I was going through divorce is that I shared too much like with everybody. Right. And, and you really need to be discerning. Well, right. You have to know who those people are, who are, are going to be receptive to you sharing that and, and will be good for, you know, yeah. giving you some, some information and, you know, support. support. Yeah. yeah. I have, I don't, I haven't figured out what the social psychology reason is for this, but many of us go to people for support that we know are not going to give us support. I think the reason we do it is because we think if I can convince them, then I must be right. But I often ask my clients, you know, they say, oh, they were so unsupportive. And I say, how have they been in the past? What were you expecting? Right? Like, it's really interesting. Or I have a, uh, I have a hypothesis about this. Oh, Again, good. Just came up with this, folks. This is hot off the mind. Hot of- off the mind of Jason. <laughs> and and we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. So <laughs> there's not much going on in my mind right now. <laughs> I can tell you, but could it be on a subconscious level that yeah. they pick people knowing that they're not going to be the right people to get the support because they're not really ready to receive the support that they Brilliant. need? Brilliant. Or they don't feel like they deserve it, maybe. Like maybe it, right? Maybe they're finding people who just are echoing what they think about themselves already. Because they don't want to, or they don't want to hear the tough yeah. stuff. Yes, that's true. You could put that in your next book. Thank you so much. That'll be the title. Of my Just next put a little book. asterisk with my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to call you every Friday afternoon and get all your tidbits. <laughs> I feel like the secret therapist. Exactly. No, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, so I'm so glad that we're covering highlights of the book here. Um, yeah. I want to revisit the anger thing for a second. Great. Just because... I want to ask you if you have any good tips for people we were talking about before people processing the anger, you know, who are, let's say not the people who chose to get divorced, but yeah, we're told. Um, and it's a shock to the system. What are a couple of quick tips um, that you have for people to, to start processing those feelings? Okay. So specifically for the people who were shocked. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm going to give you a couple. Um, So the first thing that's really important when we're processing a shock trauma is to allow the nervous system to look at how it was caught off guard. And the way we do this is we say, what would you have wanted to know that would have made finding this out easier? Hmm. So for example, and this this is in your imagination. Right. Right. So it can be, um, you know, I wish that I had known that he, he or she was even considering this. I wish I had been told that this was a possibility to happen in the month of April, like all these things that of course would not have happened, but you're saying this to, for your nervous system to know in some ways to kind of uh, help your nervous system know, okay, this is what it would have been like if I could have been prepared that we were going to have a big talk in May that this vacation was not really a vacation, that this was an opportunity for us to end the relationship or whatever, or that he didn't really want me to, you know, sit down and have a glass of wine. He wanted to deliver this information. So helping your brain 
be prepared. That's a very good one. So kind for, I would recommend for those of you who've been in this circumstance, close your eyes the next time you have a little bit of time and think about how you would have liked to have been prepared. We can't change it, but it will, it, it, there's this very interesting research that imagination and a what we call imaginal exposure in CBT has a very big impact on how we experience things. So we can really shift our experience using imag imagination. We haven't figured it out yet with working out. People always say like, well, can I imagine working out and still work out? Not yet. We haven't figured that out yet, but. Right, like um, I imagine myself when I was younger and I, I played basketball, I imagine myself dunking a basketball. You know, of course, I'm 5'8", that's not happened. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But a lot of times I've worked with um, pro NBA players in my practice, and that's one of the things that they do. They have a lot, they do a lot of imagining, um, getting the, sh the three pointers in, you know, they that helps their kind of muscle. Yeah, no, I've heard of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that imagery, uh, I don't know what the clinical term is, but it's the imagery uh, of thinking about, you know, like making that last second shot or, or, or winning or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that, that really that can affect how you act. Yeah. I think it's, it's basically a hypnotic suggestion and hypnosis, which right. talks to this part of the brain that is the unconscious, which is so powerful that we're, we don't, aren't aware of can really impact how we feel. So I would recommend people do that. And again, I understand you might be frustrated. That's not ha that hasn't happened, but that's one of the keys to kind of figuring out that shock trauma. Um, so again, in a car accident, we would have, you know, someone, know that like, when I get to this crosswalk, this is what's going to happen. And again, you can't know that, but there's something then when you imagine driving up, right? Cause then the client can, your client can imagine, okay, I'm walking into the dinner with my ex-husband when he tells me this, but I know what's coming. Right. And you prepare yourself and you prepare yourself. Possible. Right. Exactly. Right. And then as far as the anger, I, again, I mean, feelings are neural excitations. There is no difference between joy and anger in the brain. We have just decided that one is good and one is bad. Mm -hmm. And so I really want people to start understanding that our relationship to emotions is really skewed. So you have righteous anger. You have every right to be anger, angry. Angry feelings is also different than angry behaviors. It's normal to, I mean, anger is a natural reaction um, to many things. What I recommend for people is actually to, and, and also there's a natural fight, flight, or freeze response. So a fight response of anger is actually appropriate when you're having a trauma. Right. And what happens a lot, you know, you can't punch, maybe some people do, you can't punch your ex at the dinner, at the table when they tell you. And so you, again, you stuff that response. So I encourage my clients to really connect to their anger through movement. So I suggest, I always say my favorite um, song is Killing in the Name of by um, Rage Against the Machine. And I'll listen to that and I'll just I move my body. Yeah, it's so good. And if you listen to it, I don't know if you notice you start banging, like you start moving your head, like you start, I know I move like my, my arm muscles and I don't have, sometimes I'll punch in the air, sometimes I won't, but I just allow this this anger, this physiological anger to move through me. I took a kickboxing class, you know, we need to allow it to be, present. And right. I recommend physiologically. Yeah, you know, absolutely that that because it, it allows you to release that pent up energy that you're feeling right. And that some people call that angry music. I don't call it angry music. It's just <laughs> it's, it's heavy, right? And and um, like hard. And 
So when yeah. I work out, for, you know, when I'm on the elliptical machine and I'm like, yeah, and I'm going like one mile an hour and I'm like, this isn't doing anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put in like something like that or heavy, like Metallica. Right. Yeah. And, and, and before you know it, you're going like five miles an hour, eight miles an hour, whatever it is fast. And, and you don't even realize it because you're going to the music. Exactly. And, 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 you know, many people feel this after working out, you know, that feeling of just like a release that happens. You can feel that with music too. And so you can feel that when, and there is, and I just for a long time did it every day. I mean, I just the other day was feeling really angry about something and I just took my hand on a pillow and just kind of just that let myself feel the, the pushing the really the push or, and then sometimes I'll just do it on the floor. Like I'll just, I just need that, that movement to, to release it. And it doesn't, I don't even, I get to the point where I don't even ask myself, like, what am I angry about? Don't get caught up in that. Right. Anger is completely normal. And, you know, just let it move through. Well, that's it. It's, it's for whatever reason, it's there and you got to release it. And exactly. you want to you do it healthy. And it won't take, it won't, like a lot of people, my clients worry, like if I let myself feel sad or if I move my body in anger, like I'll always be angry. I am here to tell you that is not true. You know what will make you always angry? Not feeling your anger. Like that is what happens. Absolutely. I love it. This was so great. I know I could talk to you for another five hours straight. No problem. Forever. But <laughs> we, we'll, we're going to keep it brief for today. So tell everybody where they can find you. So my book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble bookshop. If you want to buy indie, um, it's called light at the other side of divorce, discovering the new you. And you can find me at drelizabethcohen.com. That's DR. And I have lots of free resources for people, affirmations to help you heal your divorce. I have a really great template to get exactly what you need from your ex. So you just put it, you put in your words. I, I figured a lot out, a lot of scripts. Awesome. Um, and I also have the podcast, the, the Divorce Doctor podcast, wherever podcasts are, you can hear it. That is so great. And the uh, the free resource, you find that on your website? Yeah, the free resource is at drelizabethcohen.com. You'll see it right there. It's a tool for five affirmations that if you repeat them three times a day, I promise you, you will see so much relief in your pain through your divorce. Yes, people, listen. Listen to Dr. Cohen. Try this stuff out. We're not just playing games here. No, we're not. Even though we're having fun. <laughs> yes, well, you got to have fun. And, and I always tell people, no matter how hard it gets, like if, at the end of the day, if you can't laugh a little bit, then what are we doing? Yes, joy, joy, joy. Let's sprinkle joy. And, and it goes to the title of your book, The Light. At, at the, the other so, side right? of the divorce. So exactly. There's a light there. We got to keep that in mind. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you always. And So great. We'll do it again, I hope. I hope so. So great to be with you and your audience. Thanks, Jason. All right, there you go. Another episode of the podcast in the books. And I love talking with uh, Dr. Cohen. And I hope you love listening to her just as much as I love talking to her uh, about lots of stuff going on in the world of divorce. So if you are looking for personal coaching help with your personal situation or divorce, please come to my website, Jason Lavoy. Dot com and check out my coaching services. I offer group and personal one-on-one -on -one coaching services to meet your needs and could always customize a plan that suits you best. Again, please subscribe to the podcast so you get all new episodes when they come out. And if you're feeling motivated, please leave a review on iTunes um, if you like what you're hearing. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.